0: A Moment of Truth It seems Fritz Heiber didn't find such a resolution. But what about Robert Oppenheimer, the father of the atom bomb? He was said to have been haunted by visions of the devastation the bomb had wrought. In an interview, he says, just after the successful testing of the bomb, I remember the line from the Bhagavad Gita. Sri Krishna is trying to persuade Prince Arjuna that he should do his duty and to impress him, takes on his multi armed form and says, Now I am become death, destroyer of worlds. Around 500 kilometers from Takshashila is a place. In the present day state of Haryana in India called Kurukshetra. Many thousand years before Alexander's time, a great warrior had a breakdown, a crisis of confidence, right when a war of epic proportions was about to begin here in Kurukshetra. An 18 day battle that eventually engulfed all the kingdoms and engaged practically every able-bodied warrior in the swathe of land stretching from present-day Afghanistan in the west to Assam in the east, from Kashmir in the north to Kanyakumari in the south. The war was being waged between the children of two brothers, heirs to the most powerful kingdom of the subcontinent of that time, between the Kaurava who wanted to subjugate, dominate and rule, and the Pandava, who wanted to protect the weak, govern and serve. This was a war between cousin brothers who had grown up together in the royal estate and this was going to be a fight to the finish. We live in times when a soldier's strength is multiplied by weapons. The Mahabharata war was fought in an age and time when a weapon's power was magnified by the mental powers of the warrior and its destructive potential was controlled by his wisdom or the lack of it. And so there were many great warriors with great mental powers and the best among them was also the wisest one. It was the yogi, Sri Krishna. And he chose to play a non-combat role. He became the charioteer to Arjuna, who was among the greatest warriors of his time. As one of the most brutal wars in human history unfolded, at its heart was the story of a guru and a student which Oppenheimer was referring to because As the armies arrayed against each other in ground zero in the historic battlefield of Kurukshetra, as the war conches were sounded to herald the commencement of the war, Arjuna was far from the warrior who was there to make a difference. Seeing many of his friends and relatives assembled for battle, he loses his appetite for the battle. He tells his charioteer and dear childhood friend, Sri Krishna. My limbs quiver, my mouth dries up, hairs are standing on end. My bow is slipping from my hand. My skin burns, unable to maintain composure. My mind reels, O Krishna. I can only see misfortune ahead. Unbecoming of even a minor warrior, he laments in this vein for a while and says finally, Rather than wage this pointless war, I would prefer it if they killed me, unarmed and unresisting in battle. So saying, he puts down his weapons and sits on the seat of his chariot. Arjuna had fought thousands of battle and won all of them. Why suddenly this weakness of spirit in a world-beating warrior? Where did that come from? Wasn't his training complete? Of course, his training was not just the most thorough, but among the princes. It was Arjuna who got to learn every piece of knowledge, every secret move that the race teacher of combat, Dronacharya, knew. When Arjuna was still a student prince, one among the many princes of the ruling clan who trained with the premier teacher of warfare of that time, Acharya Drona, Arjuna, was a prodigy among the princes. As little children, in their first test in archery, all the boys were given a target to shoot. A fish hung high on a tree. When the boys took their position, Dronacharya would ask, What target do you see, my child? It is said, All with the exception of Arjuna saw everything from the colours of the wooden fish, the flowers on the tree, the monkeys swinging about. Arjuna only saw the eye of the fish and his arrow found its mark. It was in this moment Dronacharya had promised to make him the world's topmost archer. What was the reason then that Arjuna, the great hero, the top archer, becomes such a lump of clay? Sri Krishna, who knew Arjuna inside out, responds not as a friend this time, but in a completely different tone. From where did this dangerous weakness of spirit come upon you? This unwarrior like lament. It's a disgrace to your reputation. And if you think this will lead to happiness, you're mistaken. And then he lashes out with great ferocity. Yield not to importance. It does not befit you. Cast off this weakness of heart. Stand up. And be the scorcher of foes. Sri Krishna was using these words to sting Arjuna, who was by now just a mound of passivity, full of self pity. Arjuna counters as if the words had already formed on his tongue How can I kill my elders who are worthy of being adored? Better to beg than to kill my teachers. Of what use is a life of enjoyment stained with blood. I can't make out which is better. Them slaying us or us slaying them. He goes on in this vein. But by now, Sri Krishna was just waiting for the harsh babs he had shot to take effect. He knew his friend well and so finally, exhausted, With all the wailing and lamentation, Arjuna surrenders. He says with a measure of realization of what he is doing. My heart is overpowered by the taint of pity, mind confused as to what is duty. Tell me decisively what is good for me. I am a student. Please instruct me. What is the right course? A moment of fall. What could be the reason such an accomplished warrior, a world-beater, could be so confused precisely at that very moment of the commencement of the most important battle for his life, for which he is trained all his life? What could be the reason that he drops his weapons, Once, a young hunter from the forest-dwelling tribes who went by the name Ekalabhya, lean, powerful and alert as a black panther at the peak of its prowess, approached Dronacharya and asked to be his student. As was the tradition of that time, he had brought with him a token offering and they were impressive. He had hunted down two fully grown wild boar and had carried one on each shoulder, his ripped, wiry frame easily bearing the entire weight. Dhrunacharya was impressed. His credentials were excellent. But he refused him, saying he taught only royalty. But he blessed him. And in those days, a mere blessing from an accomplished teacher meant a lot. Some months later, the prince were out on a hunt when they heard a dog barking incessantly in the forest. They were irritated and tried to shoot it, but it eluded them. This went on for a while, frustrating the princess. Suddenly, The sound of barking stopped, and the princess sensed something must have happened to it. When Arjuna and the rest found the dog, they saw that six arrows had been shot at the dog in such a way that they had stitched its mouth shut. This kind of speed and precision was beyond the imagination of the princess. Who is your teacher? Acharya Drona, said the lad. Disturbed, angry, feeling betrayed, Arjuna complained to Dronacharya in a manner most unbecoming of a warrior. You said you would make me the best. We don't know why Dronacharya didn't admonish Arjuna and exhort him to work harder and drop his insecurity. Or why didn't he create a process by which his student would have been forced to evolve. Maybe his expertise was only in combat training. Or maybe he didn't want to displease a prince. And it seemed to him that if he he didn't act, Arjuna, the skin of the ruling dynasty, would never recover from this shock. Besides, he had given him his word. He summoned Ekalavya. Ikalavya took them to a clearing in a dense part of the forest where he had created a clay sculpture of Dronacharya. With this image as his witness, he practiced daily. Dronacharya was awed by this boy, but he couldn't show it. He blessed Ikalavya and then asked for his Guru Dakshina, his fees. Such was the teacher-student tradition of that time. A teacher took care of all the needs of his students. No fee was charged. And on graduation, the teacher could ask the student for anything. And what a wise teacher asked had a deeper significance for the student. Dronacharya asked Ekalavya for his thumb waiting to see if Arjuna would object to it. Arjuna was happy with the arrangement, as this would rule out Ekalavya from ever wielding the bow and arrow with mastery. Ekalavya cut the thumb of his hand without a moment's hesitation. For one who has mastered the skill at wielding his weapon, a master archer or swordsman yearns for a situation but he can be tested for his skill as well as his character. For Arjuna, this was a fall moment. But for Ekalavya, this was the culmination of his journey as a warrior. He had proved his skill. Now, he had also proved his character. Dronacharya did wait to see if Arjuna would stop him. Arjuna did no such thing. In the process, he had become a willful perpetrator of deceit. This was against the warrior spirit. He had committed a pragya a crime against his own better judgment, his own wisdom. Through many years of rigorous, intense training And after countless battles, Arjuna's reputation as an archer and a warrior had grown. He was counted among the top guns, and yet, he always carried with him a deep sense of insecurity. And there were archers who were better than him. Had he let Ekalavya train with Dronacharya, or let him be, would it have not forced him to become? Better as well? Wouldn't friendly competition have enhanced his skill as well? Even if Ekalavya would remain as the better warrior, would Arjuna have felt the lack of confidence he felt in the middle of the battlefield, in the most pivotal moment of his life as a warrior? No, he would have been a much stronger warrior, one who could accept Ekalavya for his skill and trained harder to beat him. He would not have laid down his arms the way he had just done, apparently unable to bear the thought of killing his kith and kin. But it is so easy to see that his deceptive ways made him feel that way. Fact is, he had formidable adversaries on the opposite camp who could easily vanquish him in battle. This was a confusion that occurred as a consequence of giving in to his insecurity. We don't know how Kalyana worked with Alexander, but we do have the full details of Sri Krishna's interaction with his student Arjuna. In an unparalleled instance in the history of mankind, where after the war announcements were sounded, As the archers trained their bows, the war elephants and horses were being prepped for action right in the middle of the battle formations, one of the greatest ever in history. A legendary warrior breaks down in a pathetic lament, and the guru then teaches his student. The entire dialogue is called the Bhagavad Gita considered by many as the essence of all the Upanishads and therefore the essence of Indian thought. While the Gayatri Mantra was a healing chant given to the world by Rishi Vishwamitra after having healed from his own Pragya Parada, here we see a whole way of life given a whole cosmology Explained on how to live a spotless life. And as we fight the many battles of our life, here we can see how a troubled soul learned to confront his demons and be the warrior he was born to be. So before we analyze Pragyaparadha, the effects of our crimes against wisdom, in these times of pandemics. Let's catch some action after this conversation had happened. Let's enter the battlefield of Kurukshetra.